Hello, educators of Virginia, and welcome to another episode of Deeper Insights. I am the lucky person today to get to sit down with Allison Rodman, the founder and chief learning officer of The Learning Loop, and also the author of Personalized Professional Learning. She has an extensive background going all the way back to her roots as a teacher at Thomas Jefferson High School in Richmond, Virginia. She is an ASCD emerging leader, class of 2013, I believe. Is that is that correct? Awesome. You got it. Uh, and and um, she's also been uh, a facilitator with the ASCD. I, I had the privilege of, of hosting her virtual course series uh, of webinars that we did back in the spring. And she is also on the docket uh, for a concurrent session at our upcoming annual conference, Level Up in Williamsburg. And without further ado, Allison, can I call you Allie? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. How, <laughs> welcome and how are you? I am wonderful, Chris. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. It is great to be back with you and the Virginia ASCD community. I always love our opportunities to collaborate together, whether it's on one of these podcast episodes or when I get the chance to work with members directly in some of the virtual spaces. And this year will be my first time joining you for your annual conference. So I'm super excited about that. That's awesome, and and we we are overwhelmed with excitement as well. Just getting some some things ready and, and prepping and and chatting with folks. Um, just a, a, an overwhelmingly exciting um, period of time. And it sounds like uh, you know I I can hear the optimism and and the, and the the positivity in your vote in your voice. And our listeners have come accustomed to me not letting our guests off the hook with kind of the 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 perfunctory cursory. I'm good. I'm fine. But you yeah. really do sound excellent. So so what, if you don't mind, what's bringing you joy right now in this moment? Yeah, so I am so excited to be back on site with educators and in schools, shoulder to shoulder, being able to support them, whether it's in a professional learning workshop or community or in the classroom with students. While I know that we bend over backwards and in so many other directions to become really proficient in virtual spaces and it's created some really exciting opportunities for how we can create some creative professional learning models. The joy that you feel just being back on site with, with educators in a variety of different contexts is just a little different this fall than I think what we've experienced the past two years. I, I agree. You know, there uh, there's something to be said about the convenience of, of virtual um, and, and how we're able to, to, to reach out and extend and, and not have to go very far or cut out the commuting time. I mean, there's a lot to consider with virtual, but you're right. Um, there is no substitute for for being with each other three dimensionally in the same space. It it happened for me just just this morning. Um, you know, I, I'm part of a, a coalition and we keep our meetings virtually. And this morning we met um, in person at um, the Department of Education building to to give public comment at the Board of Education meeting. And we were all just enamored with seeing each other and say, gosh, we got to we got to really shift to some more in person. So I definitely appreciate that. And I also appreciate you and, and your authentic check in and, and just telling us how you're doing. So now that we know how you are, um, I, you know, I'd love to get to how what we're here to talk about today and, and starting off with just from from your perspective and, and what you're seeing and hearing and, and interacting. How are the teachers? Definitely mixed at this point, Chris. So there's this 
joy about being able to engage students in some classroom activities that maybe we haven't been able to do or bring back to our practice um, in the same way and, until this fall, right? So when I work with teachers in professional learning workshops, we get to talk more about some of those cooperative learning strategies and student-centered approaches that we know bring that engagement and that excitement to, to the classroom as well as our professional learning spaces. But I also see educators who are tired. We you know, are struggling with shortages in so many different places where I know that teachers are pinch hitting for one another and admin across the system are stepping in where they can to you know, fill some of those spots, even if it's just for a couple hours or a day, but they are tired. And, and what happens or what I'm starting to see happen as a result is that even with the best laid plans for professional learning, some of those engagements are getting canceled or we're just kind of saying, hey, we're going to give back time or we're going to give back, you know, an opportunity to work with your team. And I'm starting to get concerned about what that's going to mean longer term, not just for teacher professional growth, but also building their sustainability from a whole educator standpoint. Yeah, I, I think um, and I appreciate what you just said in there and 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 given all of our realities, I mean, living in in survival mode for two years um you know we thought that the 2020 2021 school year when you know at, coming out of the the shock of the pandemic we spent all summer transforming our practices classrooms became virtual school leaders like like myself I, I was a principal of a high school learning how to run a school in a virtual setting we engaged heavily in in professional learning to be able to do that and to pull it off and we thought that was the hardest school year ever and and that year we asked teachers to do what i thought was the most impossible task and that was um what dual audience or concurrent teaching where we had some students in person and some students and then the 21 22 school year hit oh my goodness that blew 2020 2021 away with the difficulty so between that um we you know we're looking at you know teacher shortages uh you mentioned um colleagues having to cover down on on uncovered classrooms because there's a substitute shortage as well bus driver shortages are, are putting a burden with getting kids to and, and from school and and you mentioned the impact on professional learning so let's let's live in that space and and just a little bit for just a little bit from from what you're seeing and, and what's kind of on your mind and in your heart Let's talk about some of some of that impact. What what changes have we seen outside of the, the classroom and outside of the schools that are almost forcing a need to change, but it's so impossible to engage in that growth and development? What what are your thoughts on that? And I know that that's a loaded question in there, but maybe, maybe it's enough to get us started. Well, it's hard, right? Because we often throw away this or we throw out this notion of balance. And I, I truly believe that nothing is ever really balanced, whether we're talking about personal and professional life, we're talking about teacher planning time versus professional learning, right? We're always going to be giving something up, whether we want to admit that or not. It's either a time resource or a monetary one. So we've got to make really careful choices here about if we're gaining, you know, some short-term energy by helping to, you know, prepare a teacher for tomorrow what are we giving up in terms of long-term sustainability for enabling that teacher to continue growing in, in the classroom as, as they move forward? And to be fair, I keep you know saying teacher, but this applies to leaders too, right? As we cancel some of their leadership professional learning engagements and, and things of that nature. So when I reflect back to the 2018-19 school year, as well as that fall of 2019, 
I was so encouraged as a professional learning facilitator because I felt as though schools were really starting to move the needle on personalization. They were asking the hard questions around how do we do this differently? What does it mean to meet educators where they are and not only tailor things to their needs in terms of topic, but also the way that, that we're facilitating those, those engagements. And it was exciting to have those conversations because we were finally putting into place the same practices with educators that we were expecting them to utilize in the classroom with students. And over the course of the past two and a half years, I just feel like we've taken so many steps backwards in the professional learning space where we've forgotten about things like diagnostics for our teachers, right? Or we've forgotten about creative scheduling where not every teacher needs to go to every workshop, but that doesn't mean that you cancel all of the workshops. Um, so I really want to see us start to get back to that place that we were pre-COVID and take it even further to ask those really tough questions about professional learning and, and say, you know, what do our teachers and our leaders need and how are we going to meet them where they are, but then also push their practice forward. So I, I, I want to live in that space. Where, what do you think that is? What, um, that's, that's the question that's on my mind. As, as the executive director for VASCD, uh, we live in the professional learning space a lot. And the question that is that keeps me up at night, literally keeps me up at night is, what will engage our people? So what are, what are your thoughts? Like what are, whether it's topics or formats or, or how do we, how do we draw the attention? Um, I don't want to say out of survival mode because survival mode is a reality right now, but how do we refocus the attention back on that, that uh, trajectory we were on that you mentioned before the pandemic? So first and foremost, I think we need to start with some type of diagnostic. We did all kinds of benchmark data and start strong assessments and all of these pieces with our students to get a sense of where they were. And I don't see us parallel tracking that with our educators across the system. So checking in and saying, where are you? What do you need? And how are we going to get there together? And in that diagnostic process, I would love to see systems and school leaders get really creative about some of the topics, if you will, that, that we're offering professional learning in. So I don't want to default back necessarily, though we can if it's a teacher need, to some of the more traditional things around formative assessment, differentiation, um, you know, assessment design. We need those things and we know that we need those things. But if we're in the long-term game of sustainability for educators, we also need to tend to topics such as alignment and time management. How are we helping them find and create that space for themselves? Perspective taking and understanding their colleagues and, and being able to work through tough conversations so that when things get hard, they have the facilitative skills necessary to do that. Giving them support with data analysis, but also longer term goal setting around that. So they're invested in those processes and they're able to see their progress over time not just from a self-efficacy standpoint, but a collective efficacy one. And those are the topics or the areas of focus that I see not necessarily being neglected, but overlooked because it's not a quick hit. You can't always put that in a 30 or 60 minute virtual workshop. There are things that need some tending and some care through multi-session engagements and tough conversations and action planning and implementation over time in a way that takes a, a bit more planning and, and effort as we look at the, the full scope of professional learning. 
It's so interesting you said that. I mean, one of the things that I had that I had personally thought about, this was last year, was almost a back to basics campaign. Like, let's get back to the basics of what makes instruction high quality instruction i mean literally back to unpacking your curriculum and and writing a really good learning target designing instruction that gets at the target and then a high quality formative formative assessment to so you could see which one of your kids got it which of your kids got it and which ones didn't and and what i hear you say now is you know there's there's a back to basics that are is even more basic than that and that's you know getting back to i, I wrote down a few things here like humanity and functioning as just a high quality person when you talk about time management and and you you mentioned like it's not really about balance it's about kind of chunking like you you chunk here you chunk here or you're gonna have to give up something in order to be able to do something else and and I'm, I'm reflecting on a conversation i had over the summer with a, a very trusted colleague and and she's talked about you know the need for conflict management when when a parent is coming at a teacher you know either through email or or over the phone or even in a, a parent teacher conference what skills have we built in the teacher to be able to to deal with that or like negotiation skills things like that so i appreciate that perspective in that that if we're looking at tiers, there's a there's a subterranean tier under the surface, almost like an iceberg. I'm thinking I'm a picturing of a, a, an iceberg um, right now. So you mentioned diagnostics, and you'd like to see, and and you talk about some of those things that you think we need to get back to. So how how might a school leader or a school division leader really leverage those things? even in a time, and I'm just gonna say this, even in a time when we try to get that diagnostic data, not everyone's participating. Yeah, so what, 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 what would you like to say maybe to some school leaders or division leaders about getting that shift back on, on growth and excellence and, and professional learning? So I would make the lift of the diagnostic as easy as possible. We don't need a ton of open-ended questions here. It can be a lot of selected response. You can utilize teacher leaders in your spaces to guide you around some of the topics, the formats, the timing that you might want to include on a diagnostic of that nature. And as you're analyzing it, be thoughtful about which of those engagements you might want to offer as a whole staff or a whole grade level professional learning opportunity, depending on what times you have available to you as a school leader or a systems leader. So you might have half day models or a full day of professional learning that's coming later in the year. You want to use that time with a topic that's going to be relevant to as many educators as possible with, within your system. And for the ones that perhaps have a high interest, but with a smaller group of teachers or leaders, we want to be creative about how we're offering smaller individualized opportunities for them in much the same way that we ask teachers to engage students in small group instruction uh, or you know, remediation and enrichment opportunities at, at times. If there are different topics of interest and need, let's think about how we can bring them to our teachers, whether it's through a center's model or rotating you know, um, blocks of time throughout their day. How do we get them that professional learning that they need so that they feel as though their interests and their needs are being addressed and that they have what they want to be successful in the classroom? Yeah, what what I'm hearing you say, Allie, and, and um, 
you know, something that, and I was introduced to you through the topic of teach our children well. Mm -hmm. And so that was a lot uh, about, you know, and, and I don't remember the, the framework you had off the top of my head and I apologize. I'm, I'm such a bad student right now, okay. but it, it, there, when we hear teach our children well, we automatically go to, we, we might automatically go to, you know, wellness and self-care, all important things. But today, what I hear you talking about is there's a component of teaching our children well that has to do with our growth, our development, and our, um, I'm going to say recommitment or reconnection, if you will, to professional learning based on the changes that are happening. Am, am I hearing that? Am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely. And part of that is pedagogically based, right? So we don't want, I remember being a fourth or fifth year teacher and saying to myself, if I have to sit through one more classroom management workshop, I'm just not going to make it, right? Um, I felt like I had the systems and routines down, but I needed more support with differentiation at that point. I wanted to go deeper on, on that topic. So part of it does find its roots in that pedagogy. But we also, as, as we were discussing earlier, need to think about the layers of those topics. So you might have a team of teachers who really want to improve their discussion protocols or their, you know, you mentioned conflict management. How are we working through some of these challenges that we're seeing as a team or perhaps pushing one another's practice a little bit further? Or maybe our team includes a lot of new teachers. What does effective collaboration and support look like? for some veteran teachers who might be supporting new teachers. I think there are so many different ways that we can take this. And my one, I guess, sort of nudge to, to school and systems leaders at this point is just not to think so much in all of those traditional buckets. But if we're expecting leaders and teachers to be these models of social emotional learning at times for our students, we need to make sure that we're building their capacity in those areas as well. Yeah, I've, I've, and I appreciate that. I, I've always seen um, educator wellness, not just the responsibility of the individual, <laughs> you know, like take back your time, take back your, you know, like setting your boundaries. There's a responsibility on the leader to set the conditions and to establish the environment for that to happen. And then to follow through by being a model. I was, for me, I was the worst model of self-care and setting boundaries. I was the worst model un until my folks started calling me out. They, they started saying, you know, we'll take care of ourselves when we see you start taking care of yourself. And so that was probably the most powerful conversation I had in supporting, in supporting teachers. Go ahead. Huh. And I was terrible too. I feel like I've learned so many things through the years. And I came to find that many of my own actions was what my teachers were mirroring. <laughs> yeah. so I would send an email late at night just because I wanted to clear the decks and I wanted inbox zero. And I, I wanted to make sure they knew I was being responsive. But inadvertently, I was also putting this pressure on them that they should be responding at seven or eight o'clock at night or at times even later. And it, it was an unfair dynamic that I had established. The other sort of flip side of this that I see leaders do sometimes is they'll want to clear their decks at night and they'll delay delivery for all of these emails until six or seven o'clock the next morning. So a teacher or a team member who thought that they had inbox zero the night before suddenly come into the day and like 20 emails stack up in, in their box, right? And that is just a very small example across this whole scope of educator wellness and how we support each other not just from a place of self-care, but community care. Did it have to be an email? Can we just kind of walk down the hall and check in about that? Or can we find other ways to kind of reduce the load at 
times for what is an incredibly difficult job across our schools. In, in your series in the spring, there was one technique that you, a strategy that you used, and I want to, I want to get this strategy on the podcast because it was something that stuck with me tremendously. You made a deal. I think, I think it was your time as a school leader and you made a deal with your staff that we would trust each other, that if we sent a message, you read it, you understood it, you were going to follow through. So there was no reason to reply back to say, got it or thanks, or I'm on it. Is that, is that right? That, that's exactly it, Chris. So myself and another leader on our team, we did this informal analysis at one point just to see roughly how many emails were we getting and responding to in an average day as, as a school leader. And once we crossed that 350 threshold and we're sort of dabbling in the 400, 450 space, we knew that something had to give. So in my conversations with the teachers that I supervise, the counselors that I worked with, any of the other members of my team, I was very transparent. And I, I shared exactly you know, what you just offered to say, I trust you in your work. I respect you in your work. And I know that you're just going to get stuff done. And if you have a problem, I would hope that you feel confident enough to come to me and to let me know so that we can work it through together. But let's set a norm that we know that we're grateful for each other. We don't have to send emails with the quick thank you or the yes or the got it. Because when we cut down on those, I kid you not, I think it was a reduction in at least a hundred of my emails a day. Wow. And it's hard, right? Because we want to let people know, yes, we got it. I'm on top of it. But subsequently, we're also adding to the workload for one another in a way that we don't necessarily need to do. And it's so funny that, that it, and it's so not just, it's not funny, uh, but it is so it's true. <laughs> <laughs> that even even seeing a, a um, an unread email that just says thank you or that just says got it, it's another thing that I either have to swipe left or swipe right or you know so that I can keep it unread to get my inbox zero or to keep that going. So um, all of our leaders out there, it, let's take a cue from Allie here and and establish environments where we trust each other to do the work we empower each other to do the work and if something is breaking down we we have the the courage and the respect to to communicate it otherwise we will assume that all is well um imagine if we could have work environments like that not just because not just because inbox we we need to keep our inboxes down that's an absolute benefit but Allie, the work environments are another critical component to the teacher shortage. And mm -hmm. so when we talk about trust, when we talk about empowerment, um, our teachers and our school leaders, quite frankly, need more of that flowing in and out um, of those relationships. So I'm glad we had a chance to, to visit that because that's, that's a key and critical point, not just on a time management side, but also on a critical component of leadership in creating an environment that is healthy for um, for our people. Uh, Ali, uh, I can't believe we're already coming up on 30 minutes. Um, I, I appreciate so much your time. Thank you for carving out time to 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 share some of your expertise. There are some really good nuggets um, in this in this nice short conversation that our folks can take away. Um, if someone was inspired or if somebody wants to connect with you, how, how, how do we do that, Allie? Check out my website, www.thelearningloop.com. I'm always posting new resources. Any upcoming conference presentations will be highlighted there along with new blog posts and interviews like this one. 
So there's tons of resources that, that you can get, as well as subscribing to my newsletter on that website. I try and connect with folks at least two or three times a month and distill some of the great things I see happening in professional learning, as well as some of the key publications that are coming out in that space so that leaders and teachers who are incredibly busy don't have to do that work. And it's, it's heading right to your inbox when you're ready for it. Also, please connect with me on social media at The Learning Loop. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I would love to hear some of the creative things that you're doing in your professional learning spaces so that we can continue to grow together. Allie, thank you so much. And thank you for listening and tuning in to this episode of Deeper Insights. You can see Allie live and in person at, at a minimum at our annual <laughs> conference. And like she said, to a professional learning um session opportunity near you, but definitely uh, if you're not registered for annual conference, you don't want to miss it and you don't want to miss an opportunity to be with Allie. Thank you, Allie, once again for spending time with us. Thanks so much. Have a great day.